everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. When you think of ghosts or spirits, do you think of entities in need? Are you imagining a tortured soul? Or maybe you're thinking they're just residual energy. But have you ever considered that they aren't lost at all? Have you heard something that made you go, wait, that's not scary, that's funny? It may not be often that a ghost messes with one of the living just for fun, but when they do, it's not always easy for the living to laugh it off, which is great for us here, where we prefer spooky over funny. So, let's get started, shall we? This happened 30 plus years ago, so I will explain what happened as best as I can remember. When I was three, my grandmother, maternal side, died of a heart attack, I believe. While at the funeral home, the adults were outside talking, smoking cigarettes, etc. Myself, older brother, and another family member close to our age were told to stay inside to keep us out of conversations that we didn't need to hear according to my parents. While the other family member convinced my brother that locking me in the viewing room, the one with those red lights over the coffin, which were on, was a good idea. Once they locked me in, the other family member called through the door, saying that Grandma needed to take me with her because I was her favorite. I screamed and cried as loud as my little self could, and some adults came and took me outside to my parents. I was told that they were just playing and that even though Grandma loved me, she was never going to take me away. They were trying to soothe a very upset three-year-old. Later that year, we moved two states away from there. One night in the new house, four years later, I woke up in the middle of the night. According to my mother, this was very unusual. I'd heard a song only my grandma sang to me. I sat up and was looking around when I saw the lid on my old toy box opening by itself. Once it was fully open, I saw what looked like my grandma standing slowly from inside that box. She turned slowly, creepily around to look at me. I was frozen in place couldn't cry, scream, or even move. She started walking towards me. She stopped close to the bed and said the name that she called me. I came to get you. You were always my favorite, and I want you with me now. Somehow, I found my voice and screamed. My mom came running in, and just before she got to my room... Grandma said, I'll come back for you again, and vanished. My mother came in, asking who I was talking to. I told her everything, and Mom let me sleep in the living room for a few nights while she got rid of my toy box. The toy box was the last thing Grandma gave me.
So a few years ago, the night sky was clear, and my mom and I had gotten off of work at about the same time that I usually do, 2 or 3 a.m. The moon looked beautiful. We decided to go watch the sunrise over the lake. We lived about 15 minutes from Lake Michigan, and it's pretty regular for us to talk for hours. We took a back road through a wooded area to get to our usual location. Some info you need to know about the location in order to imagine this. The road we took was a very small road that had thick woods and swamp on both sides. The road is so small that if cars were going both ways, sometimes you have to pull off slightly to the side to let the other car pass. Lots of greenery surrounds this road, and there are slight dips on either side. No street lights or anything. So the only illumination is the car's headlights. Okay, so we're driving and chatting, and I'm a passenger. Mom's driving. As she's talking to me, I'm looking at her, and she's looking at the road. She stops mid-sentence, and I could tell that something was happening in front of us, so I glanced over. I said, What's a kid doing out here this late? I saw what I can only describe as a creature that looked like it was made to blend in with its surroundings. It was standing on the left side of the road. It seemed to be made of twigs and leaves and branches, almost, but not quite, resembling a tumbleweed. It stood at most three feet tall. It seemed to be covered in patches of some sort of orange, copper, red fur, but not quite fur. As soon as the words left my mouth, I realized that's not a kid. My mom shouted my thoughts and slammed on the brakes. If you've ever seen TV shows depicting the way vampires move, like super fast, almost glitching across, that's how this thing moved to get in front of us. It was on the left and then right in front of us in a split second. If I had to guess, we were maybe seven feet away from it. It lifted its head, I guess. Its whole body was kind of one big mass. And it looked at us with its eye. Yes, it's correct. One eye. One completely black eye. We sat there in stunned silence for a moment. Just as I was asking, what is that? It got down and slithered like a fucking snake past the car and into the brush on my side. My mom took off at full speed. I had researched a lot about how one person's thoughts and recollection of a situation can influence another person's until the story is no longer the same. There was even a study done about people who had never been on a hot air balloon being shown a picture of one, being told that they were on it when the photo was taken, and asked to remember the day. Most people said that they remembered it and make up a story about it. It's really interesting stuff, absolutely worth looking into. So both of us knew this prior to the event. I asked her what she saw, and she asked me what I saw. Both were the same. At first, we tried to rationalize it as tumbleweed, but
but no, it surely looked at us. Maybe a deformed animal, but no animal around here looks like tumbleweed. Maybe a really skinny deformed fox. Couldn't be, as it glitches across the road. It's the only way I know how to describe it. We then moved on to more paranormal creatures in our search engines. This proved fruitless as nothing that we could find matched the description of what we saw. When telling this story to friends, I often find myself referring to it as a realistic and nightmarish version of the Lorax. To this day, when recalling this incident, it feels like we saw something we weren't supposed to. Like we saw past what we all know as fact and real and tangible and saw part of what this world really is. This feeling doesn't make sense, and neither does this story. If anyone has any suggestions about what this could be, I'm open to answer any and all questions. I just want to know what we experienced, even if it's just an animal that we never knew of. To this day, I still don't know if what I saw was just my eyes playing tricks on me. But here we go. When I was like 10 or so, I would usually stay up late watching cartoons in the living room. I would stop maybe around 5 or 6 in the morning. This was a regular thing. But then, weird things started happening. Now, the way the house was built made it so that you could see my parents' bedroom from the living room couch. And I'd usually be laying down on that couch. One day, I started seeing this weird figure in front of the room's wardrobe. It was really vague, but I could see some of its features. It looked like it was wearing this long white dress. It had long hair covering its face. And that face, it looked so weird. The only way I could describe it is that it looked like the faces you'd carve on pumpkins. Only the eyes and mouth were much bigger and hollow. It would usually look at the room's bed, but if I stared at it for too long, it would turn to me and reveal its face. So, to avoid this, I would just ignore it and turn away. Very strange. Back in 2016, my friends and I, for the longest time, had been itching to go camping at our local campsite. It was in Los Padres National Park in Southern California. When we found the perfect weekend to go, one that didn't interfere with any of our work schedules, we set the date. Three days before the trip, we found out that we were going to get hit by the El Nino rainstorm. Us, being the types of dudes that we are, didn't care if we got hit by the storm while camping. So we packed up our cars and made the 45-minute drive to the campsite. The campsite was a family-friendly one, with about a hundred camping lots that circled around the clearing in the forest. We found the perfect spot underneath a huge thick of trees that would help block as much rain as possible. And it helped out that the restrooms were only 30 yards away. As soon as we got to our spot, we took advantage of the afternoon sky being clear for the moment, and we rushed to set up our tents. 
The layout that we made was that we pitched our tents close to one another, where our tent doors were only six feet apart. The reason why we did this is because in order to combat the rain, I bought a 30 foot by 30 foot thick blue canopy tarp that I threw over and under our tents to cover us from the rain above, but also from the rain that would be running through the ground. It was a genius move on my part, but whenever you would walk around our tent, you would be making so much noise from crunching the plastic tarp. Hours passed and we were all around the campfire. It was late into the evening and this was the first time that I noticed that there were barely any other campers. They were mainly camping in their RVs like the fake campers they were. In my honest opinion, they were the smart ones. Unlike my friends and I that were sleeping in two small tents with our only protection being the blue tarp. I was getting tired from the long day's work and I decided I was going to go conk out. My friends followed my lead as well. The sleeping arrangements were that I had my friend Ray sleeping in my tent and AJ and S were sleeping in theirs. Before I called it a night, I whispered to Ray and I told him, I'm going to prank call S and AJ, but I'm not going to say anything. Ray smiled as I dialed my friends up. I called them unrestricted and S's phone started to ring. Both of them, being the way they are, got timid very easily, and they said to one another, Who's calling you this late at night? I don't know. They called me unrestricted. Are you going to answer? Of course not. Ray and I were holding in our laughter as they ignored our call. I decided to do it one more time. Once their phone started to ring... They started to freak out once again, and they said, Who is it this time? Same person, I think. I'm going to answer. As they did answer, S said in a very shaky tone, uh, Hello? Ray and I had to hold in our laughter as we kept as quiet as possible, not wanting to make any noises that would give off that it was us. I held the phone close to my mouth as I began to breathe heavily in a murderous way. I ended the call, and just hearing them freak out the way they did was making my night even more fun. Me being the idiot that I am, called them one more time, and this time, S picked up the phone immediately and said in a tough voice, Look, whoever this is better stop. I'm about to call the cops if you keep on calling. This is not a threat. Ray and I looked at one another as we, at the same time, began to fake moan so loud and immediately started to bawl out in laughter. AJ and S were so mad at us for pulling this prank on them. They were cursing us out. Me, finally calming down from laughing so loudly, told the boys, Good night, I'll have pancakes ready in the morning. Since I fell asleep relatively easily, I was out in a matter of minutes, while Ray, AJ, and S were up for a while longer. I was the first of my friends to wake up in the morning, and as I promised, I had the pancakes already cooking by the time everybody else woke up. The smell of me cooking woke up my friends one by one. They got out of their tents, and as we were eating, AJ spoke up and said, Hey, Jay, the prank you pulled last night went a little too far. Yeah, you had us ready to run to our car and take off. Me, feeling a bit guilty, apologized and said, Sorry guys, my bad. 
Yeah, it's one thing to prank call us like that, but then to walk around our tent and then to go inside of it in the middle of the night, that's just totally off limits, S said. Me not knowing what they were talking about said, what do you guys mean? Come on, still with the jokes. You were the one that was walking around our tent and you walked in. Ray spoke up and said, that wasn't Jay who was walking around. I thought that was you two getting your revenge on us for scaring you. That wasn't us doing that. It was you two. So, to explain. After I fell asleep, about an hour had passed where Ray, S, and AJ were still up, and all was quiet in the forest until the sounds of footsteps were heard, stepping on our blue tarp that was on the ground. At first, my friends thought that it could have been just a forest animal wandering, but the heavy footsteps were a dead giveaway, that it was a person, as they described. The person was walking around, their tents, all of them, making constant figure eights. The person would place their fingers on the tent's fabric walls to run them up and down. The footsteps finally stopped after a couple of minutes, right in between our tent doors. The three of them were already having their hearts pounding out of their chest. It was silent for a long minute until the sound of the tent zipper being slid open was heard. As AJ says, the tent's door was only opened halfway, but it was too dark to see anything clearly. But in the darkness, both S and AJ saw the silhouette of a man's face pop his head into the tent to look at both of them. AJ and S faked being asleep the entire time, but they kept their eyes locked on the man. The man then opened the tent fully and walked inside the tent, just standing at the entrance. The man didn't say a word or do anything, just watched the both of them, laying in their sleeping bags. After their longest minute ever, the man just took his steps out of the tent and his footsteps were heard walking away disappearing into the night. The entire time that this was happening, S and AJ thought that it was either me or Ray doing this, and Ray thought that it was AJ or S doing this. Back to us arguing back and forth at the breakfast table. We were interrupted by a man walking through our campsite, and he said, Good morning, boys. How did the four of you sleep last night? This man spoke with a smoker's voice, as if he'd been doing that for all of his 45 years of being alive. He wore a dirty, sweat-stained white t-shirt that looked more gray at this point, and his blue jeans looked as if they'd never been taken off of his body. He smelt like liquor, not a good sign at eight in the morning, and his words were just mumbling around. We didn't say a word to this guy as he then asked us if we had any cigarettes to spare him. I said that we didn't smoke, and he said, Oh well, you boys want to visit me in my RV? Just stop by any time. The man continued to walk away, towards the restrooms, and as he was done using it, he walked back to our campsite. He didn't say anything this time, but he looked at us, and gave us a nearly toothless smile, and he walked back to his RV. I took note of his RV, as it was the only RV that stuck out as being dirty and more run down than the others. 
We quickly summed up the man as the person who was walking around our tents last night, and S and AJ now remembered that they smelt liquor from the person who was standing in their tent. We all agreed that we would keep an extra eye out on this guy, and if he did spend another night, we would most likely report him to the park rangers if he tried anything else. Well, it was around lunchtime now, and the man came back. Not to use the restroom, but just to talk to us. So any of you boys interested in buying an RV? Y'all can go check it out right now, see if you want to buy it. I don't need it anymore since my wife left me. Just check out the inside of the RV. No, we are good, sir. I said with a visible, threatening tone. The man seemed to notice this, and he walked away. The man did end up leaving a few hours before sunset, but the entire time that he was there, he kept glancing at us. The man had his RV about 50 yards away from us, and I noticed that he had a restroom right next to his RV. Why did he make an effort of walking all the way over to our campsite to use our restroom? Also, why did he even use ours if RVs come with restrooms installed in them? Whatever the man wanted, we were just glad that we were about to enjoy the rest of our weekend. I drive this same back road in town a lot. Never had anything unusual happen on this drive until several months ago, February 2021. I was driving to pick my girlfriend up from work like I do every day. From our apartment, I prefer to take the back road I mentioned earlier. The road is shaded by tree canopies, and there's like these hidden driveways that lead to some real beautiful houses and farms. I'm not much of a car person, but one of the houses on that street has a really nice classic car, like 1930s. It's parked, always, in the driveway. Pretty sure they never take the thing out at all. It's almost white or eggshell and its tires are white and black, like none I've ever seen. Usually I sort of slow down as I drive by, if I can remember that it's coming up, just to look at the thing for a while. My girl feels the same way. Well, one moment I'm driving, passing the house, and I turn to look up at the car, which is sitting in the driveway. Now out of the corner of my eye, I see what looks like headlights coming right for me. I turn, and sure enough, the same car sitting in that driveway is headed right for me on the road. I immediately pull to the right, slamming on my brakes and looking in the rear view to see this car that almost killed me. But there's no car. The road stretches long and there's no car in sight. I literally get out of my car and I run across the street to the house with the fancy car. It's still in the driveway. The road, the neighborhood... Everything is completely quiet. I literally have no idea what just happened, and so I get back into the car, and I take off to pick up my girlfriend. The rest of the way, I'm just replaying the thing in my head. By the time I see my girlfriend, she's already suspicious that I'm pretty distracted. So after hearing about her day, she asks about me, basically saying, what's up? I tell her what happened, and she's super spooked by the story, asking me to be serious. 
and when she's convinced that I am being serious, she tells me that we need to find out who owns that car. We need the story. I wasn't sure how we were going to do that or why it would matter, but my girlfriend is one of those people who just feels things, if that makes sense. Like when she makes moves on anything, she's usually right about the outcome. We joke often that she's some sort of witch or something. So anyways, we decide to stop by the house with the car. It's about 6.30 p.m. and I'm going on about how they're probably eating dinner. And she tells me they're definitely not. We ring the doorbell and to the front door comes a woman who's dressed in a nursing outfit. She's asking if she can help us. Before I can say anything, my girlfriend asks, That car, are you the owner? It's beautiful. The nurse introduces herself as Mary, I think, and tells us the car belongs to her boss. She says it actually belonged to her boss's husband, but he's since passed away. I can't remember the name she gave or if I would even post it here, but she tells us the wife, her boss, can't drive, so the car just sits there. She says that every time they've tried to sell the car, it just wouldn't start. Only when no buyers were around did the car start up perfectly fine. She says sometimes she swears she hears the car pulling up the driveway, only to look out the window and see it's just parked where it usually is. Funny car, she said. I wasn't sure about funny, but it was interesting. We thanked the woman for her time and headed back to our car. I was sort of awestruck that something came of this little pit stop we'd made. My girlfriend just smiled and told me, that man definitely tried to run you off the road. I asked why in the heck he would want to do that, and she told me, it's your infatuation with that car. You slow down to look at it almost every day. I think you made him nervous. Nervous. Well, he almost killed me or whatever, so I don't know about that guy. Maybe he's not so nice. And his car, as nice as it is, it's definitely haunted. I was followed by two large military men when I was 12 years old. This happened 10 years ago. I was at the mall with my mother. I'd normally follow my mother around and never really went off on my own before. On this day, my mother really wanted to see a movie. I cannot remember what movie she wanted to watch, but I remembered it was a movie I had no interest in seeing. So we came to an agreement that she would go watch the movie while I'd walk around the mall and we'd meet up afterwards. As kids are, I was very excited because I felt so grown up and cool now that I didn't have to walk around with my mother the whole time. I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt at the time. I didn't have a handbag, so my cell phone was in my front pocket. I basically exhausted most stores that I could go into at that point, so I remember going into one of these sports stores even though I had no real interest in sports. While I was browsing, two very large military men approached me, and I assumed their age to be around 30. One of the men asked me for my phone number. I was baffled and caught off guard. I didn't think before I spoke, so I said that I don't have a phone. The second man 
pointed to my pants and said that I do, in fact, have one. It started to sink in what was happening, that they were asking for a minor's phone number. I don't exactly remember what I said next, but I believe it was along the lines of sorry or no thank you. The men then walked away from me, but they were still in the store. I tried to walk away as nonchalantly as possible. I was very insecure back then, so I didn't want to embarrass myself or draw attention to myself by running. I then realized the two men were behind me, and they were watching me. I went into a few stores to try to lose them, and to make sure that I was being followed, and they kept following me. I saw a busy restaurant, so I decided to ask for a table. I sat down at the table, and it seemed like the men lost interest, since I didn't see them again. I should have called my mom to tell her what happened, but... I felt like it was my fault. I was scared she wouldn't allow me to be on my own anymore and not allow me to wear shorts anymore. I realized how foolish that was. I sat at the table until my mother called to say she was done. I'm happy that no one at the restaurant asked me to leave for not ordering anything or waiting too long. I met up with my mother again and I just pretended like nothing happened. Back in 2000, when I was 20, a female friend of mine decided that she wanted to get an apartment and asked if I'd be her roommate. I didn't need a place to stay, but decided to do it anyway. We moved to a nice apartment complex right next to and behind the house where my aunt saw her dead ex-boyfriend. This place was nice and newer, so the thought of it being haunted never crossed my mind. I didn't even experience anything until my roommate got homesick a month in and had to move back in with her folks, leaving me there alone for three months. It started with the lights coming on by themselves. I would go to bed, always turning the lights off and always closing my bedroom door. I was meticulous about the lights because that's how I was raised. I'd go to bed and at some point open my eyes and see the light coming in from under the door. I thought my roommate came home, so I'd get out of bed excited to see her only to discover I was alone and the dining room or bathroom light would be on. Then the knocking started. Right after I lay down, there would be three loud knocks on my bedroom door. Again, thinking my roommate came home, I'd get up to greet her, only to see I was still alone. A week or so before Christmas, my roommate and I went out gift shopping and went back to the apartment to wrap everything. When we were done, we were both standing at the door, checking to see if we'd had everything before leaving. The apartment was completely quiet, and we heard this clearly. My acoustic guitar, which I had leaning up against the wall in my bedroom, with a pick stuck between three strings, was plucked. Each string, in succession then slid along the wall until hitting the floor. We just looked at each other. Then we walked to my bedroom to find the guitar on the floor with the pick still stuck between the strings. Those strings had been plucked, meaning the pick had been used and then replaced when done. 
at Christmas during a party with my roommate and some other friends at the apartment, the VCR turned itself off. It did that one or two times while living there, but it never did that before or after living there. For Christmas, my girlfriend got me a guitar tablature book for Pink Floyd's The Wall. One night, I sat on the floor of my bedroom, learning how to play a song in it. When I was done, I put the pick in the strings, and I set my guitar up on the wall. But instead of closing the book as I normally did, I left it open and went to bed. Just after laying down, I heard the pages in the book flipping on their own. It was a thick book, but the song I had been learning was somewhere in the middle. I figured the weight of the pages made it change pages on its own, but when they stopped flipping, I got curious and I got up to look. The pages stopped flipping on the song, Hey You, and when I read the title, I got chills and shut the book, pleaded with the ghost to let me sleep and went back to bed. While laying there, I realized if the pages had flipped on their own from the weight, they would have gone the other way, away from that song. After that, I started calling the ghost Pink. Anytime something would happen, I would say, oh, hey, Pink. But one night, I'd been out with a friend until around 2 a.m. When I opened my door and stepped in, I could feel the ghost standing there. I said, oh, hi, Pink. And I could feel the energy go through me and out the apartment. So that's when I figured it didn't like being called that, which didn't stop me from saying it. Shortly after, my roommate came back and stayed the rest of the lease, and not much happened then. I figured if an entire house could be haunted, then... Surely an entire apartment building could be. I wanted to ask my neighbors if they had ever experienced anything, but I never did, and actually never really talked to them at all. Also, I've known since I was around ten or so that I could feel ghosts, but usually only when standing right where they were. If I stand with them long enough, I usually can get an image in my head of what they look like, as well as their mood. In a few instances, I've had them communicate with me like that, their words coming to me as thoughts or images, usually the latter. I usually don't tell people this because they usually don't believe me, and I'd rather not go through the ridicule and name-calling. However, with Pink, I never figured out who or what it was. I always felt that it was a man, but I didn't know. I still wonder about it from time to time. This happened many years ago, as I was house shopping and recommended by my real estate agent to look at this new listing. The house was maybe 30 years old, ranch style, emptied, clean, and in reasonably good shape, although dated in appearance. So we're walking around, checking the bedrooms, and talking about the price and condition. But I have an odd feeling of being watched by someone, especially in the bedrooms, as if someone is standing close to my face. I usually don't have those vibes. We continue into the living room and kitchen area, 
and the feeling continues, but more like being watched from a distance. I finally said to the agent, I feel like someone's watching us in here. Been feeling it since we walked in. Oh, really? Hmm. As he looked around nervously, I paused for a few seconds to check my feelings. Did someone die in here? I can feel them. There's more than one. My Hispanic real estate agent now turned white as a ghost. Yeah. How did you know? It was an elderly couple in a murder-suicide. It's them. The man was in the bedroom, and the wife is watching us from the living room. I think it's best if we leave them in peace. Never had that feeling before or since. concludes tonight's episode of The Darkest Hour. But be sure to join me every Friday night for all new scary stories. Thank you everyone for sharing your stories. You are truly awesome. And thank you to my wonderful audience for listening. Remember, if you love The Darkest Hour and you never want it to end, be sure to hit that subscribe button and tap the notification bell. Check out our subreddit, And follow The Darkest Hour on Instagram and Facebook at The Darkest Hour YT. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me. Amanda, darkesthour at gmail.com. Stay spooky.